This person, he pulls over to the side of the road. So I'm immediately concerned. Didn't think much of it. Went into the grocery store. We're walking around the grocery store and some dude comes rolling around the corner and it's the guy. And he says to me, did you just cut somebody off? Welcome back to another episode of Drive With Us Podcast. I'm Bob Neat. And I'm Karen G. And we're super excited to have you ride with us as our drivers take us on some adventurous drives around the world. Before we get to today's driver, did you know that we record both video and audio for our podcast? If you're interested in seeing our guests tell their crazy driving stories, check out the Drive With Us podcast YouTube channel. And now let's meet today's driver, Trevor from California. Trevor is the host of Common Leaders podcast and the lead facilitator at Common Leaders LLC, a company dedicated to leveraging easy, accessible platforms to share knowledge, skills, and experiences of leaders and for leaders. Trevor has published a variety of content, including exploring leadership, hiring, and finding excellent examples of leadership from places most people don't think to look. In addition to his professional roles, Trevor has driven a lot. Growing up on a rural farm in upstate New York, he learned how to drive from a very young age, way before he was even old enough to get his license starting on snowmobiles and ATVs. He worked his way up to tractors, farm trucks, a sports car, and of course, boring cars that he went fast in a lot. Here's Trevor. Welcome Trevor to Drive With Us podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be on this side of it. And I am nervous to tell people about my driving, but really excited to just be on the podcast with y'all. You do a great job. Let's start with how you would describe yourself as a driver and what is your relationship with driving? Is it something you enjoy? Ooh, my relationship with driving, I'll start with that, is bittersweet, I would say, in a word, because big goals, it would be great to have somebody pick me up in like a Rolls Royce every day with a cold beverage and in the morning like a hot coffee so I didn't have to drive because it's very dangerous statistically. And I recognize that. So I would love to not have to drive, but I do enjoy driving. I enjoy driving fast. However, the other dichotomy is I drive a bit like an old person in a lot of ways. I go fast, but I am the person who will leave about three car lengths in front of me because I've been rear-ended before. And I get really, really anxious when I'm riding and people tailgate. I've taken a few defensive driving classes, so I'm very... Where's my out? If this person crashes, where do I go? So in some ways, I'm a bit of an old person driver, but I do really, really like to go fast. It's a very interesting like comparison, a fast old person. <laughs> that's how you drive. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In traffic, maybe that's what it is. Around people, I get really anxious. But when it's just me on the road, the foot is going down. You mentioned you took some defensive driving classes. What exactly does that entail and how has that helped you? Well, the first time I took defensive driving, it was just to learn. I didn't take driver's ed because I didn't want to dedicate my summer to it. And it wasn't required at that time in New York State. I think I might have been 17 or 18. I took a defensive driving class just to learn about more of the rules of the road. I couldn't even tell you why I took it. But I learned some really interesting things. And I would say the most vivid thing that I remember from that class was it was an older gentleman who had taught it for years. And he explained the importance of the headrest. Do you know the importance of the headrest in your car? Yeah, to help prevent whiplash. <laughs> yeah. Get rear -ended. Yeah. And for some reason, that really stuck with me. I'm about six foot tall. I'm not that tall, but I'm not short either. So one of the first things I do when I get into a car is I try to adjust it, which is a bit awkward because most people don't do that. But I've, I panic a little. And then the other thing that I remember distinctly from that class and is related is how important seat belts are in the back seat for a similar reason. That if the people in the back seats don't have their seatbelt on and you get in an accident, they could go over you. And it's led to some real big arguments with people in the back seat before when I made them put their seatbelt on or tried to. But the defensive driving, it was interesting because they're constantly teaching you to look for outs. So if there was an accident or if there was an emergency, how do I get out of this situation? So if you have somebody coming head on, obviously you go ideally towards the ditch to your right. Well, I guess we don't have ditches out here, but you go to your right to get away from it. And I also grew up on a really, really tall hill. And one time when I was a kid, there was a lady who lost her brakes going down that hill. And it's about a two mile hill. It's not just really steep and then you're done. It's a really long hill. And she lost her brakes and went through several barns and maybe even a house before she stopped. So I am constantly thinking about those two pieces of looking for an out and if I'm on a hill, where would I go? Where is the least destructive path to stop this car? 
Yeah, especially with uh, all the things that we've heard about, like California traffic and California drivers, I think maybe everyone should take a little bit of defensive driving. Yeah, no doubt. I think it's much worse than L.A. I haven't been to L.A. yet because most of the time we've been out here, it's been COVID times. But San Diego gets pretty heavy with traffic sometimes. And we do go to some of the ski resorts up north and you get into some of those pretty heavy traffic situations. And it is a different level than where I grew up, at least of five, six lanes each way of just red brake lights. It's not fun. That's crazy. I, we've never really been in that much traffic. I think one time we saw that was we were in Georgia, but everyone was gone from Atlanta. They were on vacation elsewhere, so it was all empty. <laughs> so we got lucky. Oh, that's, see, there's where the speed comes in. Because I'm used to going as fast as traffic allows me to go. And if there's no traffic, that means you can go as fast as you want. <laughs> Until you get caught. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which is why I took defensive driving the second time, because I had to reduce points on my license. Oh, really? I didn't know that was the second reason. <laughs> yeah, I took defensive driving again about a year and a half later because I had gotten, I think at that point, my third. No, that was that was my second speeding ticket. And it was a big one. It was, I think, an 82 and a 55. And that's a lot of points. And as I'm sure you've learned either from yourselves or from others, you should never plead guilty to speeding or traffic charges. You should always plead not guilty with the hope they'll drop it. But I was, I think I was 19 or 20. I was very, even though I like to break the rules sometimes, I was pretty upset and I'm pretty ashamed of myself. So I went to this little tiny, like very small courtroom in the middle of nowhere. This older, he was, seemed like a nice man, judge. And he asked me how I was going to plead. And my response to was like, how could I prove that I wasn't speeding? Is there any way for me to prove that? And so they slapped me with the whole ticket. And that I think got me 11 points. And I think it was 13 points to lose your license. And the only way to get that reduced was to take a defensive driving course. So I got to take that course again. And that reduced it. Like, did it take all your points off or did it oh, take only like a certain number off? I think it got me down to eight. Yeah. Took a few off. I don't have any points on my license anymore, but it took me a long time to get rid of those guys. Yeah, that's why I don't speed. <laughs> I don't want to have to deal with that. <laughs> it's not ideal. I don't think it's possible here in Maryland with the amount of traffic we have and not as wide roads. I mean, I've seen people speeding, but I don't think I'd be able to. Well, the country roads are definitely where it's at. If you get out of town, you find a straight flat road. That's where I got all but one. I think I've had four speeding tickets in my life. And all but one was on a long, straight, boring country road where nobody was around. And there was a cop just up over the next hill that was shooting his radar down towards me. But the best way to, to get a radar detector when you get to that point, like the podcast is going to take off. You're both going to be really famous and you're going to get a sports car. So you're going to need to get a radar so you can try to go fast once in a while. Yeah, our dad has a radar detector, but I know certain states don't allow it. So you have to be careful which state you're going into with it. It's baloney. It's illegal in New York State, but they sell them at Walmart. They're trying to get you. <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. Well, speaking of speeding and crazy driving, let's dive into your crazy driving stories. What would you say is one of your top three craziest driving experiences? The first craziest one... I can think of, and we alluded to it just before the show. So I want to hit that one first so I don't forget it. It was just a couple of years ago. My wife and I live in San Diego now, but we're from the Rochester, Buffalo area of upstate New York. And when I say Rochester, Buffalo, we're from way out of town. I mean, middle of nowhere, like 40 minutes to get groceries kind of thing. One of the first things that's really nice when you get home, when we get home, is the fresh air. That part's great. But the other thing is that people are jerks. And we got a big slap in the face. One of the first times we went back home, we got off the freeway and we were headed to the grocery store because my wife has some dietary restrictions. So we were going to go to the grocery store and pick up some food for her. We're driving through. It's two lanes on each side of the road. It's like a 40 mile an hour zone. And I've driven it my whole life, except for when I've been out here. I think a guy, there was a red truck and he cut me off. And my response was to honk at him. And I think I might have waved at him, but with one finger. That was just my natural reaction. My dad just built me that way, that that's the response. I'm not saying you should do it, but that's what I did. In California, I'm pretty sure, like I told you, people would be like, no worries. I cut that guy off. I shouldn't have done that. That was my bad. Well, this person, he pulls over, immediately 
pulls over to the side of the road. So I'm immediately concerned because I saw that it was an older gentleman. And then my mind starts racing. Like maybe he was having a heart attack. Maybe he's having a medical emergency. Maybe something's wrong with him. That's why he cut me off. Didn't think much of it. Went into the grocery store. We're walking around the grocery store and it's been probably 10, maybe 12 minutes since this has happened. It's a big grocery store called Wegmans. We're in the back of Wegmans. It's a big store. We were nowhere close to the front. Some dude comes rolling around the corner and it's the guy. It's the guy that I cut off. And he says to me, did you just cut somebody off? And I'm like, I, I don't know. Who are you? And he's like, did you just cut somebody off in the road back there? Because somebody just cut me off and I think it was you. And I said, sir, I, I don't know, man. Maybe. I didn't want to lie to him, but I wasn't trying to own up to it. He's like, I'm pretty sure it was you that cut me off. And I said, okay. And his response was, he got in an angry stance. He waved back at me with one finger in the middle of the grocery store, mind you. And then he walked away. And as he walked away, I was like, have a nice day. <laughs> it was just like the most bizarre thing that he got so upset that he would follow me. Like, again, he would have had to pull over, wait until I got like a certain distance ahead because I didn't see him pull back in the road. So he spotted my car. He eyed my car, took a mental picture of it, followed me into the grocery store, like at a distance because again, I didn't see him. And then he must have just been walking around that whole store angrily looking for me, hoping he could peg me, which is very impressive. But I felt really bad for him. Dude's got some high blood pressure. I can't believe it's one thing that on the road, they're like, they're angry back at you. But the fact that he followed you to the store, into the store, and then found you. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought it would be really funny for the people that watch the security cameras without audio to try to understand what this guy was doing and why. Yeah, it's, like, it's one thing that it's like you hear of fights breaking out in like Walmart, but like in the back corner of a Wegmans. It was in nature's market, too. Like it just would have been so great. Well, at least nothing bad happened. He just kind of let his anger out and just went his way instead of getting physical or anything like some road rage instances. For sure. He wasn't I mean, he was an older gentleman, but he wasn't a small guy. And I'm pretty non-confrontational. So it would have been interesting to see what happened. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that didn't happen. And I don't think yeah. you want to know what ha would happen. <laughs> nah. Second most crazy and I think probably most unique driving experience. And I've had a lot. I grew up very fortunate to grow up on a farm. And like my family had like we didn't have a ton of like really nice things, but we had nice things. Like we were very, very fortunate to have land and have stuff to do. We had four wheelers and tractors and all sorts of stuff. So I was really lucky that way. I got to experience driving a lot of different things in my life. But one of the scariest and therefore I think craziest, like one of the moments where I look back and I think, gosh, I was really lucky that day. I was probably 13. I was pretty young and I was driving a tractor at the time. At the time, I thought it was a full size tractor, but by today's standards, it's pretty small and is an old tractor. It wasn't like four wheel drive or anything like that. It was snowy. We were covering, I grew up on a strawberry farm and it was covering time. Like we, I think we were getting ready to cover strawberries with straw, which is what you do in the winter. And I had the loader tractor. So it's the tractor that has forks on the front that can pick stuff up. And in this case, it was to pick up bales. I have no idea where I was going. I'm pretty sure it had to be related to strawberries, but I think I was in like sixth or seventh gear, which I shouldn't have been going that fast in the tractor. Common theme here is speed. And I came around a corner of like the woods. I was just following the trails back to go to the field I needed to go to. And it all happened very fast. The tractor spun around. It did a full 360 in the snow. And I was like 13. I wasn't really big enough to immediately grasp the situation, take hold of the situation. I'm sure I pushed the clutch in, so I stopped. However, I, I don't remember doing that. I don't think I stopped. But I did like a full 360. And the reason that was so scary to look back on is if I'd hit a dry patch where there wasn't snow, that tractor would have rolled for sure. It was like, it just it happened really, really fast. And there's some stories like that on tractors where it's not the same as a car where it's really fast. Have you ever driven a stick shift manual? We have not. Okay. It's our goal to try one day. <laughs> With all the help, you could just solicit the help from your podcast following. You could get the best driving experience possible. But it's similar with a tractor, or at least the ones I grew up on, where you have to push the clutch in and then the brake. So the reaction times have to be very fast. You can push the brakes, but it's not going to stop the tractor. You have to push the clutch in first, which also doesn't stop the tractor, and then the brake. And there was another time where I almost 
oh, this is embarrassing. I was, again, probably under 15 years old, which is questionable. And I was backing a tractor up to hook into like an implement to hook on the back. And my dad was directing me back and the clutch slipped. I managed to stop it really fast, but there was a window of a, a maybe a foot where I could have easily hit him, which is really, really scary. And if anybody's listening, you shouldn't probably let your kids drive tractors until they're at least 16 and full grown. It's just really dangerous. Yeah. Did that experience of spinning out on the tractor ever affect you when you went to go start driving like a car at age 16 or whenever you're able to get your license? Oh, now, yes. In my somewhat like older years, those things stick with me more. Early on, absolutely not. No, I was... As I said, I like to drive fast, a little bit reckless on occasion, especially in the snow. I'm still a little bit reckless in the snow. It's so fun to play and do donuts. So yeah, no, it didn't have any impact on me related to car driving other than just knowing how quickly things can change. Whether it's a small car or a big tractor, as soon as you're not in control, it can get bad very fast. It's scary. And that's why I don't want to drive. I want to get picked up in like a rolly, have somebody drive me to work. That would be ideal. I mean, I think for commuting, yeah, nobody wants to drive. That's just not as fun. No, definitely not. It's boring. I had a really long bus ride to school and I missed the bus ride to school because you could just stare out the window and think about whatever and make up stories in your little kid head. That would be excellent to have that now. I mean, I say this like most people don't, but a lot of people obviously ride to work. I grew up in the middle of nowhere, completely dependent on driving myself most places. But I would love to have some of that time back. I don't want to drive. You're really talking me out of it. <laughs> I think you're talking yourself out of it. I yeah. love driving. <laughs> yeah? What kind of car do y'all have? Nothing fancy. <laughs> Nothing fancy. It's something that's commuter sensible. <laughs> same. Same. I have a Ford C-Max. It's extremely boring and practical. Yeah, I have a Toyota Corolla and she has a RAV4. We both, before she started working remote, we both had like an hour and a half to work and an hour and a half back. So it gave good gas mileage. <laughs> That's like the one thing I look for is the gas mileage because the gas is expensive. You're telling me. it's. I was downtown San Diego yesterday. It's $5 right now. I, I can't Five. even imagine that. Our just went to like 320 and I'm like, That's high. <laughs> yeah. And so many people out here have really high-end cars and like Ford Raptors that have just a gas-guzzling engine. And like, I know people don't like the government telling them what to do, but they should really outlaw somebody driving by themselves anywhere. It is such a waste. So what would you say is your third craziest driving experience? Third craziest driving experience. Three men in an ambulance. Yeah, true story. I mentioned I grew up on a strawberry farm. I also mentioned that it's very different now, I think, than it was when I grew up there. But when I grew up there, we had secondhand everything. So all the trucks we owned were secondhand. We had a couple tractors that were not secondhand, but most everything on the farm that my family had was secondhand from someone. We had an ambulance second or third hand to help deliver strawberries to places. So my dad grew the strawberries, we would pick the strawberries, and then we would deliver them to a store like a Wegmans to be sold. Strawberries go bad very easily. They're a very fragile fruit. And ambulances, interestingly, have air conditioning in them. So the air conditioning was what drew my dad to buy an ambulance to deliver strawberries in. My grandfather and my cousin and I, the three of us, went on a pretty long delivery trip one weekend. Back in the heyday, we would sell like 500 flats a day, like a lot, a lot of strawberries. And we filled the back of the ambulance up with strawberries. And there's a, you know how airplanes have a little seat in the back that folds down for the attendant? Well, the ambulance had a similar thing. So it was my grandfather driving, one of my cousins in the front passenger seat. And then I was riding in that little flip down seat in the back, which was great, by the way, because it was dark, it was cold, and it was filled with strawberries. Mm, you can still smell them. It was great. One day we're delivering in Elmira, New York. Shouldn't go there. Anybody that's from there would agree. There's not much going on in Elmira, New York. But that was our turnaround point. We drove half the day to get there, delivered along the way, dropped some off, turned around and came back. We're on our way back, and I think we stopped to get lunch. But partway home, it comes over the radio that there's a bank robbery. There's been a bank robbery in Elmira, which is, again, why you shouldn't go there. And there was three guys, and they were in an ambulance. What are the chances that there was three dudes 
in an ambulance in the same town that we were in that robbed a bank and got away, by the way. They were looking for them. And we were on the road. We didn't get pulled over or anything, but we were sure that we were going to get pulled over. It wasn't like the weirdest. It was just bizarre that the circumstances would line up. How many people own an ambulance? It was just funny because especially with like a grandparent, it's a memory you get to hang on to forever. It was just a fun, fun memory to look back on. That is so interesting. Like you just show up in an ambulance. We're here with your strawberries. <laughs> yeah. And the best part is my grandfather, he's passed now, but he was been old for as long as I ever knew the guy. He was old and like he wanted to park close. He would back the thing up right to the front door, which adds to the allure of like, why is there an unmarked ambulance backed up to the front door at Wegmans? It could probably get kind of fun too, because if you've spilled some strawberries out of the back, there would be like some red splatter. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very interesting thought. At least you did not get pulled over for being a suspect in that bank robbery. I'm surprised. We were really, really surprised. Again, like we weren't trying to turn ourselves in, but we were pretty sure that we would at least get pulled over and questioned. A story actually reminded me we had a guest on last season who was driving an RV in Tennessee at the time of the bombing and they're deciding to leave town and then they got pulled over because somebody called the police and were like, hey, there's this RV driving around. And they thought that was the RV. You know, I'm pretty sure I listened to that one. I'm pretty sure that's what made me think of that. As I listened to that story, I was like, what? Yeah, it's just ironic. I, I'll i take ours over that. That would be horrifying. Can you imagine being in a vehicle that was associated with something like that? That's crazy. That wouldn't have ended well. Since you have been to so many, you've been on the East Coast, you've been on the West Coast. How would you describe the types of drivers between the coasts and have you noticed any differences? Yes, 100% yes. And the most immediate thing is they don't do car inspections out here. So driving is immediately less safe, in my opinion. At least in New York, you have to yearly, pretty sure it's yearly, get your car inspected and it's a full rundown. Is it the same in Maryland where they check your brakes and your tires? We have an emission test that we have to go to, but I don't think they do like a full check everything. <laughs> it's the same thing out here is it sounds like Maryland where they just check the emissions and where I'm from, they check your brakes, they check your brake lights, they check your turning signals, they check a lot of safety features, which especially makes sense when you consider the weather. Well, out here, we don't really have weather, especially in, in San Diego, but as soon as it rains, there are people off the road. We get rain, honestly max 10 days a year in this part of the like specifically where we are we might have 10 days of rain all year when it rains people a freak out they decide not to go to work they decide not to go to school and they end up off the road but part of it is because i'm pretty sure because they don't do an inspection on brakes and tires so people are running around going fast like me with bald tires and everybody does here that's another thing about out here and maybe it's the same on the roads where y'all are at but People go the speed of traffic. They'll go as, and in my case, five over that. So I, you know, the speed of traffic, and then I go a little bit faster. So if there's nobody on the road, again, you just go as fast as you want. But that's real dangerous if you don't understand how to drive in the rain or the weather, because as you know, you, you hydroplane. Like there's a lot of bad things that can happen. And those bad things happen here because people are just not used to it. In the Northeast, as I mentioned, people will hold a grudge like the fellow that chase me into a store versus out here. I think you're a little less likely to have that happen and a little more likely to pull up behind somebody to stoplight and smell them hotboxing in their car. That's more likely to happen here because cannabis has been legal here since before it was cool. You don't get that on the East Coast or at least in the Northeast. And it's just kind of funny. You're like, that's super unsafe to be doing that whilst driving. Outside of that, it's your normal stuff, but again, they don't check turning signals or brake lights here. So there's a lot of people that have those things out versus where I grew up in New York. People don't generally have turning signals out. They don't generally have brake lights out because they check all that stuff. So you don't get pulled over for like yeah. if a tail light's out over there? You probably could be, but I don't think it happens frequently. Now, again, I want to acknowledge the, the non-elephant in the room, which is if you're in the wrong part of town and don't look right, you could probably get pulled over for that just about anywhere, including in California. But I haven't. I speed all the time. I just think they have bigger fish to fry in a city like a San Diego, which is, I think, the sixth most populous city in the country. Well, you're very lucky because we get pulled over for our taillights out. Okay, so who got a ticket first? <laughs> this is okay. <laughs> this story. So I 
was driving her car for the first time because I had my learners and I was like, okay, we're going to the store. Let me drive. The store's like five minutes down the road, not that far. Yeah. So I'm driving. We just get down the hill from our house onto the main road. And this cop was who was going the opposite direction, turned around and came behind me. And at first I pulled over thinking that, oh, they have somewhere to be. I'm not doing anything wrong. (laughs) And then they pulled behind me and told me that my headlights were the wrong color. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She's been driving this car. It had like purplish tinted headlights for how long? Like probably a year. (laughs) Yeah. And I drive it for the first time and I get pulled over. (laughs) Was that in the Corolla? I had, a, I had so many Corollas. It was like an older Corolla. <laughs> yeah, that's why. They're, that's targeting. You know, like if you think about, like honestly, you're probably a lot less likely to get pulled over in say a red RAV4 than you are an old Corolla. It's just, I'm positive that's how it works out. They target people. So they were just messing with you. Purple headlights? Yeah, my dad bought the car with purple headlights and the person he bought it from was like, oh yeah, it's legal. But he bought it from someone in like Baltimore City and they're like, they have other problems instead of looking at someone's headlights. Yeah. And we live out in a small town, so they have like nothing here to look at. So they're probably like, oh, headlights. Did you get a ticket for that? I got a one of those fix-it tickets. That's so messed up. That reminds, my wife got a, a ticket too, similarly stupid. She was on the ice, which you'll appreciate. She'd only been driving for maybe a year and a half because she got her license late. And we were in the country on a back. We weren't even on a back road. We were on a side road. It wasn't even a main road. It went through like a little park. And she was going very slow and rolled. She didn't roll. She slid about three feet past the stop sign because of the ice. She was going very slow. She's not quite as old of a driver as I am. But she drives definitely slow. She rolled through it like three feet. Cop happened to come around the corner pulled her over and gave her a ticket. It was the first time she's ever been pulled over, kind of like you, over something very silly and gave her a ticket. My first time I was pulled over, I was, again, going 80 plus in a 55 and I got a failure to obey a traffic sign. I didn't even get a real ticket. Wow. (laughs) It's so messed up. She cried and I was laughing. I thought it was so disgusting that that guy was so bored that he would give this poor person a first time she's ever been pulled over, give her a ticket for that. It's just not like she didn't stop. She just couldn't stop. She had no control over that situation at all. Like, no. If she decided to stop in the middle of the road, that's different. But like, yeah. she had no choice there. If karma is real, he got it. Because about a year later, he it's not really karma. Nobody wins with DWIs. But he got a DWI and he drove his car through a building that same cop. You know how small towns work. Everybody knows everything. And that dude got his due. But yeah, nobody really wins from that. That's messed up. They gave you one for purple headlights. What? Did you fix them or did you leave them? No, we had to fix them. We live. (sighs) So we live in an area where there's not much diversity. And I feel like we get targeted for things that are like stupid. So we just like, just fix it. But yeah, it's just funny because I've been driving it for so long and I've been driving so far with it. Nobody noticed, I guess, when I was driving it. And the second she decided to drive it, she got pulled over. I'm, yeah, that's why I said it that way. It was like, they're they're targeting. If you Anything that looks like it's a younger person, for sure. If it looks like a younger person's car, they're coming after you. Just because why not? And then, yeah, of course, as soon as you throw in diversity, like cops are usually dudes that look like me and they're ex-army trying to mess with somebody i'm sorry that happened that's so stupid yeah at least it was a fix-it ticket and not like points on the license or anything (laughs) if it happens again you know like the thing to do is to make a whole thing out of it so you have a podcast you have a platform now you like pull out the camera go get them if you don't have anything to hide then let's go (laughs) exactly yeah now that we know what to do (laughs) before it's like when you're first in the situation you're like Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I'm scared every time I get pulled over. For being somebody that likes to break the law in driving, I am always terrified when I get pulled over. Like, I'm worried my dad is watching still. When you were describing driving on the East Coast, I know you mentioned something about how they salt in Pennsylvania. Oh, yeah. The salt is like, a. it may be similar in Maryland, but it's like a brine. It's like a liquid. Upstate, especially when I grew up, it was a lot of sand and a little bit of salt. The sand helps you grip and the salt helps melt, of course. That's evolved and it's much more salt now because lawsuits, I guess. I don't know. But it ruins cars, obviously. Well, in Pennsylvania, a lot of nice people wouldn't suggest moving there. In Pennsylvania, where we were near State College, 
it was like a liquid solution. So instead of spreading it, they sprayed it. So it would be salty and have grit, like stones and salt in it. So the really cool part about that is that grit they put in there, it will ship your car. And my wife, my her name is Laura. I should stop calling her my wife. But Laura loves her car. She has an orange Subaru Crosstrek, and she is obsessed with it. It's her dream car. If she had a million dollars, she'd keep that car. And those stupid roads pelted all over her car because she had to drive like 45 minutes to get to work. And it pelted the car. It would chip the paint. And then that liquid, briny, salty solution got in there. And of course, it like rusts it and tears it all to shreds. If anybody from central Pennsylvania is listening to this, you should start a revolution to stop that because it's disgusting. Yeah, I, I don't know what they they do spray stuff on our roads as well to treat it. So I don't think it's exactly the same as Pennsylvania. I think Pennsylvania just does their own weird thing because they also do their roads weird. Like we can tell we don't even have to look at the sign. We can know by the way the road changes. We've entered Pennsylvania. What do you mean? Pennsylvania. It's been I've tried to block out a good portion of my time there. So remind me what they do with the roads. Well, I mean, like the when we're on Maryland roads, we're like, oh, it's so smooth and so nice. The minute we oh. get into Pennsylvania, everything's like broken. <laughs> yeah. we're, like, we're like, uh, welcome to Pennsylvania. <laughs> yeah, where does my tax money go? I remember thinking that frequently in PA. Like the roads are trash. That's also a salt thing, too. You know, it just ruins everything. Yeah, very bad. PA sucks. Let's go a little bit more into you as a driver. What would you say is your biggest driving pet peeve? Well, I'm the one actually driving. It's a toss up and maybe a tie between the old trusty people not using their signal. It's maybe a three-way tie. People staying in the left lane drives me bonkers. I'm a terrible passenger because I will tell somebody that they're in the wrong lane still. And also a safety thing, back to the defense of driving, my stepdad taught me this. When you're going to pass a tractor trailer on a freeway, you should wait until the car ahead of you gets all the way past it before you attempt to pass them. And once he explained it to my younger self, it made perfect sense. But most people don't do that. When they don't do that, I immediately start seeing everything bad happening in my head. So that stuff drives me nuts. And then when I'm a passenger, it's tailgating. I get so anxious and angry and behaviorally childish we can ask she's not here but we could ask laura she will vouch for me like you need to leave a whole car length otherwise i'm i'm panicking a little i'm the same way i leave excessive space between me and the car in front of me because i kind of also like i don't know it's just i always think of all the different things that could happen <laughs> and i was like well i don't want anything bad to happen i think i worry excessively that it rubs off on her and she's like oh my god stop panicking <laughs> yeah i i'm on the same page with you also did you know at least in New York, where I learned how to drive, that if you get rear-ended and then you rear-end the car in front of you, you could also get a ticket. Even though it's not your fault? You were following too close. That makes sense. Validation granted. Always leave <laughs> extra space. Yeah. When you're talking about the 18-wheelers, I feel like that's something that needs to be taught better to other drivers because I see so many people like cutting them off and they can't stop as quickly as you can stop in a small little car. You're putting your own life in danger by doing that. Yeah, you're not just going to have a fender bender with one of those things either. You can have some leeway with another car sometimes, but with a, a big truck, not. Nah. And it's silly why you would do that. Also, we have so many supply chain issues. Don't make it worse. Let them do their job. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you could probably do a whole podcast just on tractor trailer drivers. Oh, definitely. <laughs> Going back to the first time you started driving, how would you describe your first time driving experience and what was your test like? Oof. Early driving memories. Once I got to the legal age where I had to actually learn how to drive the appropriate way, because I'd only driven in the fields for most of my life on four wheelers primarily and with old trucks, not in traffic. So I actually failed my first driver's test. Again, I started driving very early. So it was real embarrassing when I failed the first one. But it was because I couldn't negotiate a left turn in traffic. Do you know how many times I had to negotiate a left turn when I was going through the fields in a pickup? Like never. I still remember the moment I failed. I was pulling up to the intersection in the little town I grew up near and there was a car coming and I was like doing the thing. And he's like, you need to go. And I was hesitating because I didn't want to go. It seemed dangerous to pull out in front of another car, even though it was kind of far away. And that's why he failed me because I hesitated to turn. I don't know, man, still kind of rips me a little. I also sucked at parallel parking. Who's good at that anyways? My dad set up cones for me in the yard and stuff to practice. And 
I still failed. Did you both pass your first time around? She did. I did it. <laughs> it took me three tries because oh, of the parallel parking. Okay. They shouldn't fail people for that. They're self-driving cars now. And also, if you don't like parallel parking, what do you do now? You just avoid parallel parking. You just <laughs> find a parking garage. It's not a necessary thing for driving. It's so dumb. Yeah. yeah. I had to take it in a van. So that like made it really difficult to parallel park because it was this big van in a small space with the worst instructor that I had. <laughs> yeah, especially in a van. That's not fair. You should get like handicap points. If you want to hear the craziest part, the lady almost didn't let me take my test because she couldn't fit the seatbelt around her and said that I should bring an extender next time. That's just, again, I feel bad for that person because that is a very sad world to live in. Not because she's big or overweight, but because you now blame other people for that type of stuff. Like, why would I have a seatbelt extender? I don't have any friends to pick up that need it. I don't have any family members that need it. Maybe you should have one. Like, if you want to be you, like, that's great. Bring a seatbelt extender. What did what did she do? The way she said it, it sounded like if I didn't pass the next time I needed to bring an extender. Just the way that she made that statement. And I'm like, you should be the one who should carry one around if you know you need one. Like, how is someone supposed to like, oh, okay, I'm going for my driver's test. I need my license. I need, I need a seatbelt <laughs> extender. Yeah, need my glasses. I want a glass of water. It's a long trip. Oh, yeah, seatbelt extender. Yeah. So did she manage to get it on for the test or did she just leave it off? Yeah, she did. But then I failed the parallel parkings. Yeah. There went that. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry that was your experience. That's silly, to say the least. Yeah, exactly. The second time I ended up getting her too. And then she almost failed me because the flag blew in the wind and almost touched the car. Oh, you did it in like a controlled environment? Yeah. Oh, I had to do it actually in town. Oh, yeah. I think they stopped doing that after a while. How have you hit someone? <laughs> I mean, definitely questionable. Again, I grew up in a small town. I love my family, but thinking things really far ahead is maybe not a strength where I grew up. I got love for Penyan, if you're listening, but that's probably a mistake <laughs> to let people take the driving test in town. I never thought about it that way. That's so yeah. dumb. <laughs> Can you imagine if I... I was like, oh, you didn't do it in a controlled environment where you can't hurt someone? <laughs> No, that's why I failed is negotiating a left turn when there was a car coming for me. It was the first time I had faced that and I was terrified. Turning left in an intersection is, I think, always terrifying, even still. It's embarrassing to stand, sit in the middle of the intersection. Especially when someone's sitting behind you and then you're like, I could have went. I could have went. <laughs> yeah. And then if you decide not to, you talk yourself into why you didn't and rationalize it. And you're like, you should wait back there because I kept you safe. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't think they would see it that way. Yeah. <laughs> but... Speaking of angry drivers, you mentioned you had an accident story to share. And didn't involve anybody else, thankfully. I have a couple accidents, but the most impressive one was a back road. And I described it in nauseating details in my submission because I figured I had like really staunch competition. So I wanted to seem like a really good storyteller. So we could probably publish that afterwards. But the short end of the story is I took back roads to go to my mom's. My parents were divorced. They live like 20 minutes apart, which again, I was very fortunate for. And a lot of times when I was going from my dad's to my mom's house, I would take the back roads. I'm not really sure why. It was just like a slower pace, kind of cut cross lots instead of going around everything. But it was dirt roads and it was at the top of a hill. And there was this place where the road is like a one and a half lane road. It wasn't even full two and no lines or anything like that. And then it changes over at the county line you know, like a county line, especially where y'all are at in a smaller town, the road will change in some way, shape or form. You'll notice the change. Well, this went from stone and gravel to dirt. It was a cold day, a cold time of year. It was 45-ish degrees, I want to say that day, because there was still snow on the ground. But everything else was melted at my dad's house. So I wasn't worried about ice. I wasn't worried about the conditions of the road. I didn't think anything of it because it was one of those warm, sunny days after the snow. You're just not thinking of it. So I'm going down this road, going too fast per normal. Um, I'm driving a red Pontiac Bonneville, which was an awesome car. It was so clutch. Had like red dashboard. Everything was red. It was so cool. But it did go fast. I tacked that car once. And I come up over this little, just ever so slight, I guess you call it a knoll, like a slight hill. It wasn't really a hill. It was probably two, 300 yards to the stop sign at the end of the road. So I come up over this knoll, I see the stop sign. So just mentally, I'm like, okay, I got to start to slow down because there's no intersection. It's like a stop sign. You go left or you go right. And there's a field across the road. 
and I start to slow down and my wheels locked up. And if your wheels lock up and you're still moving at 45, 50 miles an hour, that's not great. And I was on a dirt road. The whole thing was like that. So I came up over the knoll, having a nice, nice day. And I hit the brakes and I started to slide and I just kept sliding. No slowing down, no stopping. Like you could try to turn the wheel, but if you turn the wheel, that could get bad too. It just seemed like the longest, the longest distance that I slid because I was, pardon the expression, pooping my pants the whole way. And I got to the intersection and I went off the road. Very grateful that it wasn't a bigger drop, but it was a little bit of a drop. And there was a barbed wire fence from like an abandoned pasture. I slid under the fence somehow. Still bizarre to me. So the barbed wire went up and over my pretty red Bonneville and left scratch marks all over it and just stopped because there was probably two feet of snow where I was because it had drifted there a little bit. And the kicker of the story was I grew up getting stuck all the time. Again, I mentioned four wheelers and snowmobiles. My dad had to rescue me so many times. I did the walk of shame so many times back to the house because I'd gotten stuck somewhere in the woods on everything. Four wheelers, snowmobiles, cars, tractors, all the above. So the last thing I wanted to do was call him and tell him I got stuck because I ran the car off the side of the road. I was terrified. So I didn't. And this was thankfully in a time with cell phones. It was probably a flip phone. It definitely wasn't in a time of just texting people. Didn't exist back then. So I tried to find like a local neighbor that had a tractor, but I was also kind of nervous to walk up to a front door. None of that worked out. And I probably waited an hour and a half, two hours to finally call somebody. But I called my stepdad instead because I knew he wouldn't yell at me and make me feel bad. And he showed up and he had like a little Ford Ranger and pulled the, pulled the car out. But it was this whole ordeal. It's so embarrassing. It was also really, really scary because I slid for probably a quarter mile. Just zero control. Ice. Dirt. Didn't anybody get hurt, thankfully. Just hurt my pride. That must have been like in that moment, like slow-mo. Like you see in the movies and you're like, oh, that doesn't seem realistic. But if you're actually in that moment, time actually does seem like it's slowing down. So slow. That's why I like the the length of the road really isn't that long. But as I visualize it in that moment, it seemed like so far away, just slowly sliding. Like, oh, I'll get grip somewhere. Never got any grip. Which, by the way, is true brain science. A little off the rails, but they say that the more memories you make, like true memories, the longer time seems because your brain has more checkpoints to remember. So it literally extends time in your head. There's scientific <laughs> proof for that somewhere. Somewhere. <laughs> did your dad ever find out about the car? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure he did eventually, but I definitely didn't tell him the next day. It was a while before I told him. Did you learn anything from that moment of like driving in snow or ice or, that you apply today or you would give as advice to someone else that's driving in the situation? The dirt road thing is definitely the variable that that was not accounted for ahead of time. Everything else made sense. It was it was a warm enough day. There shouldn't have been ice anywhere else. And there wasn't. The, the roads were not dry, but like that wet where everything has melted and you feel pretty confident. And again, it was like a sunshiny, beautiful day. But the dirt road was the variable that I didn't account for. And why it didn't melt, I couldn't tell you other than probably the, the snow packs down into that substrate a little bit better than it would. There's a word for you. Substrate. It packs down into there a little bit better than it would like pavement. So it would take longer for it to melt and break up. But certainly, if you ever find yourself with an opportunity to take a back road and a dirt road, you should do it. That's my advice. Just go slow and take it in because there's not a lot of dirt roads and it's a unique experience, especially if you have a four-wheel drive. You can have a little fun. Think ahead. Have analog brakes. Have good tires. Yeah, there's a lot of good advice there. Have good tires. Very important. Yeah, especially in the snow. Don't miss that. Yeah, we get it all the time. So switching gears a little bit, let's talk a little bit about the future of driving. What are your thoughts on self-driving cars? And is this something that you would be interested in getting into? Yeah, I think it'd be cool to check out a self-driving car. It'd be pretty terrifying, but it probably leave enough space in front of you. So that would be helpful. That's a great start. Like the car would know enough to not get up to their bumper, Laura, and not give me a panicked attack. You know, that would be great. You could also talk back. You know, like when GPS was new, you could talk back to it. And that was such a big deal because you didn't feel bad. So that would be nice. But self-driving cars is, in short, I think, stupid. It doesn't solve anything except for accidents, which is a big deal. It would be great if we could reduce the number of accidents. But I think that that's putting a, a Band-Aid 
regardless of how you look at it. So if you look at it from an efficiency standpoint, it's a Band-Aid. If you look at it from a safety standpoint, it's a Band-Aid. Even though I grew up without public transportation, the couple times I've experienced it, it was revolutionary <laughs> in short. So I don't think self-driving cars solves a lot of that. And have you ever seen the, the movie Minority Report? It's older. No. It's got Tom Cruise in it. It's worth a watch because they have some like self-driving cars in it. And the difference in that movie is the self-driving cars in the future are like slot cars where there's essentially like a track that your car goes on. So you're going down the freeway and instead of having like all the motion or the start and stop, everything's run by that track and you're just sitting there. I thought that was kind of an interesting concept, but eventually the guy, Tom Cruise in the movie has to go off the, the main road and he's driving his car. He's self-driving his car himself. <laughs> so I think there'll always be a need for manual driving, I guess you'd call it, for driving your own car. But I think shy of out in the middle of nowhere, public transportation should be the norm, not self-driving cars, because that is not going to solve traffic. It's not going to solve wastefulness. It's just stupid. It's a great way to make some money for Elon. That's a very interesting take. I don't think we've had anyone say that about self-driving cars, which I mean... It is really important to think about that, especially in cities, like you said, there's public transportation and that'll solve traffic problems. And accidents. Yeah. And it's kind of like you're being driven. So what's the difference between getting on public transport and having a car drive you? Other people and, and entitlement, honestly. I mean, it's a, it's a luxury to have a car. I realize I've had a car my whole life. But I also realize that it's extremely luxurious and entitled to have this huge machine wrapped around you, be the only person in it. Like imagine the amount of dollars and hours and people, brain energy that goes into over the span of history, building one car and you're driving that down the road by yourself. I'm like, what? It's so dumb. <laughs> well, there's the end of our show. You know, driving, <laughs> driving so dumb. <laughs> It's just statistically, it's not a very great investment of your time. There's a good chance you're going to get hurt. You shouldn't do it, but I'm going to go drive to the store after we're off the phone. Bonus question time. Are you ready? Yes. If you could make one new driving law, what would it be? You know, I'm going to go existential here. You know, I'm not going to go super existential. I'm going to pull it back a little closer because I feel very strongly about it. I think if you get one DWI, you should lose your license for an extended period of time. There should not be a two strikes or three strikes. If you get one, you should lose your license. And I think that there should be more, I don't wanna say severe penalties because I think that's the wrong message maybe, but I think that culturally needs to shift around what it means to, to drive while distracted or drive while drinking because kids, younger people, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, like before you, get to a certain age, you can turn anything into a ha-ha moment. Honestly, there are people where I'm from that call DWIs a safe driving award. And that is so wildly insulting to everybody who has lost someone to that. And there's a lot. And the same could be said for texting fill in the blank here. So I wish that there was not only some more restrictive penalties around those things, but I also wish for a more cultural shift around how we understand how that impacts people. Sorry, I just brought the whole thing down a little bit, but I would like to save more brothers and sisters and siblings and, and kids. That's actually a really good point that you brought up because I feel like most people don't understand the effect of driving distracted or under the influence until something dangerous or something serious happens. And then they're like, oh no, like then they learn the lesson. But if that was like, put in your mind beforehand and you actually like understood the reality of what could happen, then I feel like there would be less people who would do it. So I do like that law. Yeah. And I mean, it does go to some, the distracted part goes some, to some really big existentially things like what social media and what cell phones, like their impact on the, the science. I don't like to just throw anecdotal stuff out. I like to throw stuff that's actually based in science somewhere. Just going to poke that bear real fast. There is a lot of brain science in psychology behind why people are so sucked to their phone, myself included, you know, like what social media does to give you the hit of, I think it's dopamine to make you keep coming back for more. So even, even to your point, if you had the foresight to think, oh, I know that driving distracted could truly ruin someone's life, end of their life and ruin the life of everybody around them for the next decade. Like that's, that's functionally what happens if someone gets in a in a really big situation like that. I think people still might do it. 
because the allure, like the addiction is so strong. That's like every day on, if we just go out on the road, most of the people are not paying attention. You're like, Mm -mm. I'm going, I don't even know what to do. Get away from me. Thanks. Yeah. That's why we should promote more podcasts. Put your phone down, hook the Bluetooth up, listen to a good podcast. And also nobody cares about your TikTok videos for the record. Exactly. When you're behind the wheel, your only job should be to drive and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, one one goal. Get home safe and don't speed. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Before we let you go, we do want to give you the opportunity to plug anything. Every part of me wants to make a pun about plugging in an electric vehicle, but none of us have one. So I'm just going to leave it be. But there's a lot of plugins out here. I have a podcast called Common Leaders and... The greatest thing that I could plug would be less so to check it out. I mean, it'd be great if you want to check out my podcast. Don't get me wrong. But it is all about spotlighting leaders from regular everyday life. I got really annoyed with the fact that most leadership in academia. So when you hear about the word leader or leader training, it's almost always aimed at a supervisor or manager or somebody in business. And I think that that's kind of baloney to keep it PG. I think there's parents who are leaders. I think I think you can be a leader in your family, your community, your church. You can be a leader on the road. (laughs) Uh, You can be a leader in a lot of ways without ever walking into a job or an office. So I built the podcast Common Leaders around the notion that I'm primarily going to have people on who are nominated by someone else. Like people don't get to come on my podcast just to plug themselves. I think that's cheap and there's enough of it. If somebody's listening to this and you know an awesome leader, or somebody in your world who you really look up to and just makes your day better, I would love it if you submit them to commonleaders.com and maybe I'll talk to them for the podcast. I really just want to spotlight people who have excellence and have something to share and teach us. Oh, that's really awesome. We'll be sure to check it out. Thank you so much for coming on today. It was really fun talking to you. Like who knew where the time went? You have so many crazy stories. Yeah. Yeah. I had so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, for having this platform. I think it's wonderful that you just share stories and if anybody can get anything out of it i think that's super cool but at the very least i had a great time we hope you enjoyed listening to trevor's stories as much as we enjoyed chatting with him about his crazy driving experiences come chat with us on instagram at drive with us podcast and share your farm driving experiences if you have any and whether you can relate to any of trevor's stories And be sure to stay tuned until the end of this episode to hear a sneak peek of next week's episode with Jessica Kumar, an American living in India. She shared with us her experiences of adopting the Indian culture, specifically the driving culture, and how it differs from driving in America. If you enjoyed this podcast, you can help support the show by sharing it with your friends or leaving us a review on Podchaser. It truly does help us get discovered. Thank you for choosing to drive with us, and we'll see you all next week. Abhishek and I were driving from Chicago to Indiana right around Christmas time, and all of a sudden, it's white out. Like, he slams on the brakes. We get sucked into the median, and this EMT goes, get out of the car. Get out of the car. We start getting out of the car, and this car is just coming right at us, and I see him get smashed between the cars.